Plowing into the ground, chest first, she leapt off the animal with inhuman speed, then glanced back for her guards. The Urgles' deadly arrows quickly brought down the two elves. As the Urgles rushed towards them, the Shade screamed, After her! She is the one I want! The monsters grunted and rushed down the trail. A cry tore from the elf's lips as she saw her dead companions. She cursed her enemies and bounded into the forest. While the Urgles crashed through the trees, the Shade climbed a piece of granite that jutted above them. From his perch, he could see all the surrounding forest. He raised his hand and uttered, and the quarter-mile section of the forest exploded into flames. Grimly, he burned one section after another until there was a ring of fire, a half-league across, around the ambush site. The band of fire thickened, contracting the area the Urgles had to search. Suddenly, through the trees, he saw three of his charges fall in a pile, mortally wounded. He caught a glimpse of the elf running from the remaining Urgles. She fled toward the craggy piece of granite at a tremendous speed. The shade examined the ground twenty feet below, then jumped and landed nimbly in front of her. She skidded around and sped back to the trail. The horned monsters came out of the forest, blocking the only escape routes. The Shade approached her with a raised hand, allowing himself to enjoy her helplessness. Get her. As the Urgles surged forward, the elf pulled open the pouch, reached into it, and then let it drop to the ground. In her hands was a large sapphire stone that reflected the angry light of the fires. She raised it over her head, lips forming frantic words. Desperate, the shade barked, Gajla! A ball of red flame sprang from his hand and flew toward the elf, fast as an arrow, but he was too late. A flash of emerald light briefly illuminated the forest, and the stone vanished. Then the red fire smote her, and she collapsed. The shade howled in rage and stalked forward, flinging his sword at a tree, it passed halfway through the trunk, where it stuck, quivering. He shot nine bolts of energy from his palm, which killed the Urgles instantly, then ripped his sword free and strode to the unconscious elf. Her beauty, which would have entranced any mortal man, held no charm for him. He confirmed that the stone was gone, then retrieved his horse from its hiding place among the trees. After tying the elf onto the saddle, he mounted the charger and made his way out of the woods. He quenched the fires in his path, but left the rest to burn. Aragon knelt in a bed of trampled reed grass and scanned the tracks with a practiced eye. The prince told him that the deer had been in the meadow only a half hour before. Soon they would bed down. His target, a small doe with a pronounced limp in her left forefoot, was still with the herd. He was amazed she had made it so far without a wolf or bear catching her. It was the third night of the hunt, and his food was half gone. If he did not fell the doe, he would be forced to return home empty-handed. His family needed the meat for the rapidly approaching winter and could not afford to buy it in Carvajal. Aragon was fifteen, less than a year from manhood. Dark eyebrows rested above his intense brown eyes. His clothes were worn from work. A hunting knife with a bone handle was sheathed at his belt, and a buckskin tube protected his bow. He carried a wood-frame pack. 
The deer had led him deep into the spine, a range of untamed mountains that extended up and down the land of Alagazia. Strange tales and men often came from those mountains, usually boding ill. Despite that, Aragon did not fear the spine. He was the only hunter near Carvajal who dared track game deep into its craggy recesses. Aragon stood with quiet assurance in the dusky moonlight, then strode into the forest toward a glen where he was sure the deer would rest. There, the moonlight revealed twenty or so motionless lumps where the deer lay in the grass. The doe he wanted was at the edge of the herd, her left foreleg stretched out awkwardly. Aragon slowly crept closer, his bow ready. He took a last steadying breath and... An explosion shattered the night. The herd bolted. Aragon lunged forward and loosed an arrow at the bounding doe. It missed by a finger's breadth and hissed into the darkness. He cursed and spun around, instinctively knocking another arrow. Behind him, where the deer had been, smoldered a large circle of grass and trees. In the center of the blast radius lay a polished blue stone. Mist snaked across the scorched area. Cautiously, Aragon moved forward. Moonlight cast him in pale shadow as he stopped before the stone. He nudged it with an arrow, then jumped back. Nothing happened, so he warily picked it up. Nature had never polished a stone as smooth as this one. Its flawless surface was dark blue, except for thin veins of white that spiderwebbed across it. Oval and about a foot long, it weighed several pounds, though it felt lighter than it should have. Aragon found the stone both beautiful and frightening. A disturbing thought came to him. Was it sent here by accident, or am I meant to have it? If he had learned anything from the old stories, it was to treat magic with great caution. It might be better to leave it behind. A flicker of indecision ran through him, and he almost dropped it, but something stayed his hand. At the very least, it might pay for some food, he decided with a shrug, tucking the stone into his pack. The glen was too exposed to make a safe camp, so he slipped back into the forest and spread his bedroll beneath the upturned roots of a fallen tree. The sun rose the next morning with a glorious conflagration of pink and yellow. The air was fresh, sweet, and very cold. Aragon returned to the glen and examined the charred area. The morning light revealed no new details, so he started for home. He kept up a brisk pace. In late evening, he arrived at the edge of a precipitous ravine. The Anora River rushed by far below, heading to Palankar Valley. He camped in a thicket near the ravine and watched the moon rise before going to bed. It grew colder over the next day and a half. Aragon traveled quickly and saw little of the wary wildlife. A bit past noon, he heard the Igualda Falls blanketing everything with the dull sound of a thousand splashes. The trail led him onto a moist slate outcropping. Before him lay Palankar Valley, exposed like an unrolled map. The base of the Igualda Falls, more than a half mile below, was the northernmost point of the valley. A little way from the falls was Carvajal, a cluster of brown buildings. White smoke rose from the chimneys, defiant of the wilderness around it. Aragon started down the trail, grimacing at the descent. When he arrived at the bottom, soft dusk was creeping over everything. Carvajal's lights shimmered in the twilight. 
Aragon wove his way between the houses to the butcher's shop, a broad, thick-beamed building, and pushed the door open. Behind the counter stood the butcher, Sloan. A small man, he wore a cotton shirt and a long, blood-stained smock. An impressive array of knives swung from his belt. He had a sallow, pockmarked face, and his black eyes were suspicious. He polished the counter with a ragged cloth. Sloane's mouth twisted as Aragon entered. Well, the mighty hunter joins the rest of us mortals. How many did you bag this time? None, was Aragon's curt reply. He had never liked Sloane. The butcher always treated him with disdain, as if he were something unclean. A widower, Sloane seemed to care for only one person, his daughter Katrina, on whom he doted. I'm amazed, said Sloane with affected astonishment. And that's your reason for coming here? Yes, admitted Aragon uncomfortably. If that's the case, let's see your money. Sloane tapped his fingers when Aragon shifted his feet and remained silent. Come on, either you have it or you don't. Which is it? I don't really have any money, but... I do. What? No money? The butcher cut him off sharply. And you expect to buy meat? Are the other merchants giving away their wares? Besides, it's late. Come back tomorrow with money. I'm closed for the day. Aragon glared at him. I can't wait until tomorrow, Sloane. It'll be worth your while, though. I found something to pay you with. He pulled out the stone with a flourish and set it gently on the scarred counter where it gleamed with light from the dancing flames. Stole it is more likely, muttered Sloane, leaning forward with an interested expression. Ignoring the comment, Aragon asked, Will this be enough? Sloane picked up the stone and gauged its weight speculatively. He ran his hands over its smoothness and inspected the white...